You want to get a drink? Yeah. Since last summer, Julie James hasn't had a decent relationship. And I want everything to be like it was. It just isn't. But someone still wants her. It's happening again. Someone's still watching her. He was in there. Someone's close enough to reach out and touch her. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt. Come and get me. I'm right here. I still know what you did last summer. Rated R. Welcome to Unloved Sequels, the podcast that brings you a blow-by-blow critique of Hollywood's worst-rated sequels. You know, the ones that some people think should never have been made. We're your hosts, Michael, say hello. Hello! And I'm Claire. In this episode, we're marking 4th of July with an impromptu trip to the Bahamas that we won in a competition that has nothing suspicious about it whatsoever. Hey, if the shark from Jaws the Revenge can swim down there in the same time it takes by plane, then Freddie Prince Jr. can definitely do it by bus. Michael, what's the movie? You're right, Claire. We're off the Bahamas with a group of friends. Your bestie, her boyfriend, and his weird, weird, pervy friend that's trying it on with you for no weird, reason. Weird, weird, weird. To relax, forget about your troubles, your past, and a certain pissed off fisherman until he turns up. Yes, Claire, this time we are covering I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> or I Know What You Did Two Summers Ago? Or no. Well, no, because they, cause the last time no, she cut, cut off your hand. Yes. So, a so, lot of people go, why is it called is I still know what you did last summer when it should be called I know what you did two summers ago. But I, it's, I, yes, it's about I know what you've done for the last the couple of summers. That's what I'm going to call it. You've been very busy. <laughs> now, while we're on the subject, for the for the purpose of clarity and for the purpose of not having to say one of the longest movie titles that it In could history. possibly be as many yeah. times as we need to, I think we've agreed that we are going to refer to the first movie in the franchise as I know, and this movie, the second movie, as I still know. Yes, yes that is correct. That We're is not going to use any extra because we ain't got time for that. No, and I'm not going to spend the time editing out when you say I still know what you did last summer 15 times. No, that's fine. So, tell us right. about the movie, Michael. I still know opened on the 13th of November 1998. <laughs> Hang, what? Hang on. Opposite. I'm going to stop Joe you. Black. I know you don't like me interrupting. <laughs> no, this is a scary movie set at Fourth of July. Let's release it in mid-November. Yeah, Thanksgiving. What? Thanksgiving's very popular for movies. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, that Not, makes that, sense. The, the marketing went with that, Claire. We're going to go with that until later on when <laughs> okay. I have a point to say about it. All right, carry on. It opened against Micho Black. Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. It yeah. went on to make a domestic gross of forty million and a worldwide mm-hmm. gross of 84 million against a budget of 24 million. But Wikipedia kind of thinks a budget could be up to 65 million, what I think is quite a big jump. Yeah, a few people seem to say that, but I think that's if you include all the marketing and yeah. promotional budget that is not normally included in that figure. I think and I think a lot of people probably go in there and tinker with Wikipedia results just to, on things they don't like so they can prove a point. No, no, that can't be true. But the original movie... <laughs> I know what you did last summer. Made 125 million against a budget of 17. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the some producer is going to go. Okay, we made this movie for 17 million and we got 125 back. Brilliant. Let's increase that budget to 65 million because that makes logical yeah. sense for a sequel. Also, that movie did not cost 65 million. No. Where's the money? If they spent $65 million on that movie, where is it? Because I don't they see it. They didn't even go to the Bahamas. They filmed it in some shoddy island off mm. the coast of Mexico or something, I bet. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't think they even stepped foot in the Bahamas. They just went, oh, let's go and film down here in Mexico because it's cheap and easy. Yeah. Um, like we'll just say about the November release. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's a summer title. No. And it's after Halloween. The, the original movie... Came out in mid-October, though. Yes, which, which makes sense for a slasher. Yeah, but still. Because it's, it's the Halloween market. But still, you uh, yes, you would think if the movie is set at 4th of July... Then release it at 4th of release July. Release it at 4th of July? Yeah, because like, even if they took a sidestep from the story and called this one, I still not you did last summer, and then based it at Thanksgiving... It's the premises still work, but they didn't. They based it on Fourth of July again. Yeah. So it just doesn't make any, you know, the pro- yes. Because with an autumn release as well, last summer isn't a year ago. Last summer no. is a few months ago. 
Yeah. So it doesn't. Yeah. It's three it, summers ago. Weird. It is. It it's a weird, weird choice for them to come in to, as a November release. But it did have an April nineteen ninety nine VHS release. I couldn't find any figures on this, but when I was working in Blockbusters as a manager when this movie came out, and let me tell mm. you, we had a wall of it. Like, not, I'm not talking about like Jurassic Park Independence Day wall of it, but I remember having a massive chunk of front covers. And I think yeah. this is where these movies made their money was for more from rental release than they did back yeah. in them days than they did from cinema release. Horror really works well on the home release because people like to have those sleepovers with teenagers and they want to get something spooky to watch. I remember it being very popular on VHS during release. It obviously didn't make the top five bracing films of 1998, but here are the top five films because we do them and we should know them. Mm, I like to know these things. So number five was The Bug's Life. Number four, There's Something Mm. About Mary, a film I completely Mm -hmm. forgot existed. Number Mm. three, Matthew Broderick's Godzilla. Number two was... Oh, what? I'd forgotten that existed. Oh, I don't. I love that film. It's such a great film. Okay. It's very funny. Um, Number two was Saving Private Ryan. And number Uh one... Claire's going to start singing, everyone. Brace yourself. Armageddon. I'm not going to sing. <laughs> is it in your head, Claire? Is it in your head? Is it in your head? Don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss a thing. So it just sits With under... the weirdest music video ever of her <laughs> singing a love song, him singing a love song to his daughter (laughs) while she's looking at pictures of him and then Bruce Willis because they're both her dad depending on if it's real life or the Fucking weird. I can't believe you remember the video. I can't believe you don't remember the video. It's so weird. I mean, to be fair, Aerosmith do make weird videos, but that was a weird video. I just remember those movies. They always had like a... I I miss the days of a movie with a soundtrack video like you got Kiss from a Rose from Batman Forever or you've got... uh, this song from Armageddon, or you've got that Con Air song. I just miss or Cody Ugly. I miss oh, yeah. a big movie with a song. Give that the moon that <laughs> you can fight it. I apologize. Gonna get to your heart. You started this. It's true. I did start it. So it sits. But anyway, so- that's a punchy list of movies, though. That, like I can, this movie was never going to touch any of those. So that you know, no. I wouldn't have expected it to come anywhere near that. No, no, that like I, that, I think that. Top five, I think a lot of those, like, apart from something about Mary, a lot of those movies are still referenced today in their own little categories. You know what I mean? Like, they're still classed yeah, as yeah, massive yeah. achievement. And to see some like, a drama, like Saving Private Ryan, number two in the list, you don't see that anymore. You don't see, like, a heart-hitting drama, even in the top grossing films no, no, no. of the year. But at the time, that was an epic, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awesome. So it just sits under Gremlins 2 and Sin City, A Dane to Kill, at number... 635 at the all-time domestic sequels box office. So, yeah. Okay. Come to mm-hmm. Gremlins 2 is a great sequel. Sin City 2, maybe not. Yeah, I wouldn't mind keeping company with Gremlins 2, but yeah, Sin City, meh. Other horror movies released in 1998, it was packed for horror films, and I think this is one of the reasons why it probably underperformed mm-hmm. what they wanted it to do. Uh, already released this that year, before this film came out in November, we had The Bride of Chucky, H2O, Halloween H2O, the remake of Psycho, mm-hmm. Ring, Urban Legend, and The Faculty. Yeah. So, and um, plus all the ones that went to VHS, because that was the main VHS streaming market back then. So, yeah. They're like big, they were big hits. All of those movies are still like big in horror, horror films. Yeah. Now, for people, sure. fans still talk about them. Rotten Tomatoes critics, did you look at this already, Claire? I did. Oh, Claire, I, I like did. I was don't surprised. Look. I, I, I normally look, though, because I like to see how my, my rating, my personal rating fits with But that should be on the those. recording, so I like to go, oh, that's scandalous. Okay. I'll pretend I didn't look. I'll pretend I didn't look. I'm leaving this all go in on. so the listeners can see how fake you are. Go on, okay? it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> right. I did a drama degree. <laughs> that helped you in life, didn't it? Rotten Tomatoes score... 7%, 7% critics and 29% audience. Criminal. <gasps> Outraged. Outraged. I can't believe it. No, um, I did look it up, but I am outraged. I I couldn't believe it. I I kind of wish I hadn't looked it up because I think if you got my genuine reaction, I was I like, nearly text you and fuck? said to you, I nearly texted you and said, don't look up the Rotten Tomato scores on this because I think it's fucking criminal. I do think it's criminal. It's- 
Outrageous. Outrageous. But also the the scores for the first movie are, are way lower than I thought they would be as well. Yeah, I just think the problem with this AP, this franchise, I think because it followed in the footsteps of Scream, and I think it was yes. always trying to climb that ladder with Scream. Yeah, and they're trying to yeah, pin... it fell into its shadow, didn't it? Yeah, and I think that everybody spent a lot of time comparing Jennifer Love Hewitt to Nev Campbell. I think mm. that's where I remember yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt was she in Party of Five? I know Nev Campbell. Yeah, they, they were both in Party, in Party of Party five. five. So they were always competing with each other for who the screen yeah. kind of thing at the time was. Uh, Nev Campbell obviously won. So Claire, do you be yes. behind the scenes stuff for us? So yes, in terms of returning cast, we have three of the cast from the first movie returning for the sequel. That's Jennifer Love Hewitt as Judy James, Freddie Prinze Jr. as Ray Bronson, and Muse Watson as Ben Willis, also known as The Fisherman. None of the other cast have returned. Obviously, most of the rest of the main cast did not survive the first movie, so bringing yeah. them back would be weird. We do have a little... There's Weirdly, I found this a really weird detail, that Julie has a photo of Helen, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, on her nightstand in her, like, 4th of July Carnival Queen get-up. Why would you Which I found really... I don't know. I just found, I don't know. Cause actually I'm sitting here at my desk and I look slightly to the left and there's a photograph of you. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's not weird. If you, you said it, I don't know. It just seemed a bit weird that she was like next to my bed. I've got a picture of my kids. Yeah. But is it on her bed? Slightly or further it, across it... the room. You, you, you don't quite have pride of place. And it just no. seemed a bit weird that she was just, she had this photo of Sarah Michelle Gellar. As the Carnival Queen, I don't know. I don't know what they call it in real life. What you, is it? Carnival Queen in America? Fourth of July Queen. Yeah. Well, she was, she was a beauty winner. That's queen, it, in, over she? here, it's Carnival Queen, huh? She was. She was a beauty w- winner, wasn't she? So I don't. Think oh, it was yet. a pageant oh. thing, wasn't it? Yeah, a pageant yeah. thing. Miss Crabs. Anyway, no, that's some hairspray. <laughs> <laughs> that's hairspray. Um, <laughs> so, so we see her in this movie, um, yeah. but she doesn't appear. Uh, the actress does not appear in this movie. Um, New cast, we have got Brandy Norwood as <gasps> Carla. We got her. I know she is brilliant. Best bit of casting in this movie is Brandy. Such a good addition to the cast. Oh my god, so good. Really good. We've got Mackay Pfeiffer as Ty, her boyfriend. Yep. And we've got Matthew Settle as Will Benson. Will Benson. <laughs> ben no clues there. But he's pretty and he's hot. And he's hot. He's very hot. Yeah. yeah. No, he's hot. Okay. In a very 1998. Yeah, back in 1998, I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I also want to give a couple of special mentions to some of the um, supporting cast. We've got Jennifer Esposito in as Nancy, who is the bartender in the hotel. Um, Apparently in the character bio for Nancy, when they were casting, it said, Nancy looks exactly like Jennifer Esposito. Hello. <laughs> so Is that paid off. <laughs> um, and then also a little side mention for Jack Black, who was not well known when he made no. this movie. And it's actually an uncredited role. Oh, is he's it? He's not in the credits. Yeah, he's not in the credits for the movie. Maybe he chose that when he watched it back and realised that his performance is a little bit cringe. He uh, he appears as Titus, our weird white raster. Yeah. Who I don't really know who he is in in the universe of I think, this movie. Well, he, Does he work he, at the hotel? Yeah, Does I think he just he's like loiter the at the hotel trying to sell people drugs. I don't know. I think he's a poor boy. Do you? Yeah, because they when they break into he when he goes and gets killed, he has loads of pool stuff behind him. I think he's kind of like lives in the pool house or something. I think he's the pool boy. Oh yeah, there's all those tools, isn't there? Yeah. So I think I he's guess like that the, makes sense. I mean that that didn't come across in his portrayal. I have no. to say it you was it was mostly no it was mostly just trying to sell weed to everyone he could find and and yeah trotting about the resort with his terrible locks wig oh such a bad locks wig <gasps> you're telling me that wasn't natural I'm so disappointed I'm pretty sure that's not Jack Black's <laughs> own hair can you imagine he just spent yeah. however many years it takes growing that for this movie he watched the first movie and thought this is going to get a sequel it's going to be set in the Caribbean I want to be in that movie I'm going to start growing locks I've got a year to see how far I get no, I, I don't just, think that's what happened. I just, out of all the characters they could have put in this film, and I don't know if they went down the whole thing because Scream 2 had just come out and they were doing the whole trope about um, 
how black people don't survive horror films. So they probably wanted Brandy to survive it and they probably didn't want any more yes. black people in it to get killed. So they put the, of all the characters they could have made white, why did they choose to make Yeah, it did cross my white? mind that perhaps they, they made him the white Rasta stereotype for that reason, so that they weren't yeah. killing off the Rasta. Um, but they do kill off plenty of black people in this movie. Oh, I um, like, like they could have made the white guy, the port, the, the guy tying up the boat at the beginning. He could have been the white. The dock hand could have yeah. been white. If they wanted to reduce the number of black characters that were being killed off, they could have kept the Rasta as a black character yeah. and made the dock hand white. Yeah, it's weird. And looking back now, it's it's quite cringe. It I, I didn't see this me. movie. It may surprise you to hear I didn't see this movie when it first came out. So I don't know what my reaction would have been to seeing it at the time. And obviously... People watching at the time, it wouldn't have been, oh, Jack Black's the white raster guy because Jack Black was nobody no. at this point. Obviously, we're watching now and Jack Black is incredibly well known. So it's really weird seeing him play this slightly off-key character yeah, no, in a movie. But yes, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that. Yeah. The movie is directed by Danny Cannon. He directed uh, Judge Dredd in 1995. He directed Phoenix. He did 25 episodes of CSI, 11 episodes of Gotham. So he's done a lot of TV stuff more than movies. Yeah. He has done some other movies, but not a huge number. Written by Trey Calloway. Again, most of his credits as a writer are from TV work rather than mm -hmm. movies. Uh, there is a credit for Lois Duncan, who wrote the original book that I know what you did last summer is based on. Yeah. Um, I hope she's had some decent pocket money out of this franchise. Oh, I don't. I mean, think it, so. it, it bears very little resemblance to her book at all, any of it, even the yeah. first movie. But um, I hope she's done a few quid in her pocket so. from it. Like she literally wrote the book in the nineteen seventies, and it probably didn't have yeah. any tra traction until the movie came out. So they probably got it quite cheaply because the original movie, even that, the original movie script was not as good as they thought it was, and they had to bring Kevin Williamson in from Scream to rewrite yeah. the original film to kind of, like, tweak it a lot. So he got a writer's credit on that. So it's, like, and yeah. he didn't come back for the sequel. So he was a bit like... No, he didn't come back for the sequel. There was also, in, in early promotional material, and including the, the theatrical trailer, there was a credit for Stephen Gagan as a co-writer of the screenplay, but he is not in the actual credits of the movie, so I'm not quite sure. What no. happened there? I haven't been able to find out what happened to him. Only Trey Calloway got the credits in the end. Maybe he watched the... it and was like, I want my name removed like Jack Black did. Maybe he just wanted it. That's <laughs> Maybe. it. Maybe. Remove my name from this movie. The music is by John Frizzell. He has a lot of TV and movie credits, um, but none of them are, are more well-known than this movie. But this was like a good point to discuss <gasps> the single How Do I Deal? By Jennifer oh, Love Hewitt. I love this song. Uh, I often still play it. I used to milk the soundtrack to this. I had the CD of the soundtrack to this film. Yeah. And I, oh my God, I love it. There's very few soundtracks from the 90s that I really still play. And I know, and I still know, go and sit happily alongside on my playlist with Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. They're such great soundtracks. They have that kind of. 90s pop grunge movie music on it and oh i just love them They're yeah, yeah, yeah. summary yeah. kind of great albums I and mean, it, it's weird because the single um i like it it's a it's good really song good. it's very 1998 kind of yeah. girl pop rock it has nothing to do with this movie whatsoever no. there is zero connection and it's just, it, it's in the end credits, isn't it? It doesn't actually feature in the film. I think it does feature in the film. I think it features it? in the film when they're either, when she's, I remember it being a part of the, the apartment scene at the beginning, like she's walking oh. to the apartment or when they're packing to leave for the vacation. Okay. I remember it being around that section of the movie. I can't exactly remember when, but it is in the movie somewhere and it's on the end credits as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. But it, it has no connection in terms of the subject of the song and the subject of the movie. There's no connection whatsoever. But, but yes, it was performed sing. by Jennifer Love Hewitt. She's a, well, she's a trained singer. Yeah. Um, and it was released as a single in November, around the same time as the movie. Uh, it got to number 59 in the US Billboard Hot 100 chart. It got to number five in New Zealand and number eight in Australia. Ooh. So it did okay. Yeah. Not amazingly. But it did okay for a song from a movie that wasn't a huge blockbuster movie no I think yeah like obviously decent... has, obviously jennifer love you has fans down under it looks like it so moving on to the movie itself and the production story behind it um 
1997, which will have been around the time, I guess, of release of the first movie, yeah. uh, director Mike Mendes pitched a sequel to I Know mm-hmm. What You Did Last Summer. It was going to bring back Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prinze Jr. It was going to be set in college, immediately following on. I mean, you know, this yeah. one is is the following summer. So probably set around the same time. Their life in college, together or not, I don't know. That treatment fell by the wayside. And then in February 98, Danny Cannon was announced as director with a completely different idea. They had Matthew Settle, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Freddie Prinze Jr. on board. Um, Jennifer Esposito joined the cast a month or so later. So sort of by mid-98. At one point, apparently, Peter Jackson was asked to direct this movie. That, that would have been weird. That would have been weird. It would have been weird. It would have been weird and very bloody. But, this was but also, bloody. he was... Was he not quite busy in the late 90s? No. Doing other things? I don't think so. I don't think... I don't know when... When was Lord of the Rings? Was that later? I think that was later. I think that was early noughties. Maybe he was planning that then. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, as you said, Kevin Williamson was not involved in the writing yeah. of this movie. He had scheduling conflicts with um, Dawson's Creek, the faculty, H2O... Uh, and he was getting ready to direct Teaching Mrs. Tingle. So he wasn't available to write on this or on Scream 3, having yeah. been involved with previous installments of both of those franchises. But yes, yeah, so as you said, he was involved in in the writing for the first movie. The first movie was written before Scream came out. Yeah. And I think Kevin Williams' involvement was before Scream came out as well. And then off the success of Scream, mm. suddenly the studios wanted to look at this other script that he had. And that's how I Know What You Did Last Summer ended up going into production. So yeah. although it's like we were saying, it, it does sit very much in the shadow of Scream because it came afterwards. People always think of it as a kind of poor man's version. But actually it was written beforehand. It just wasn't getting greenlit, maybe because it wasn't as good a script maybe but anyway the, luckily the success of Scream meant that this movie could go into production and that's how we got to where we are with this Freddie Prince Jr has apparently never seen I Still Know What You Did Last Summer that might have changed by now but at the point that I was doing my research I found, I think it says on IMDB or Wikipedia or something that um, he, he certainly didn't watch it at the time because the the critical reaction to it was negative he doesn't like watching his own movies Anyway, he's already oh, gone record of saying, "Oh my god, they all say that." They all well, this is what that. he says. He says, "Oh, I hate watching myself on the screen." Um, he because he's just released a podcast a few months ago. He launched a podcast um, about scary movies. Is there anybody um, without a fucking podcast coming from us who's making a podcast? But literally, <laughs> every fucker's got a podcast, a podcast these days. days. Can't get a job. Let's make a podcast. Someone's <laughs> gonna listen. Well, look, I listen to it. Yeah, I was like, oh, Freddie Prince Jr. did a podcast about I Know What You Did Last Summer. I'm going to listen to that. And he claims that watching it for the podcast was the first time he'd seen the movie. He bailed out of the, the premiere yeah. and never watched the movie. Um, and I guess he's saying that he did the same for this and he never went back to watch the, the finished movie because um, the critical reception was so poor. He has said that they will cover I Still Know What You Did Last Summer on his podcast but they haven't done that yet, which is really annoying, Freddie Prince Jr., because we're covering it now, and I would love to have heard what you have to say about it before we recorded our episode. But Very we annoyed. are available to come onto your podcast to discuss I Still Know <laughs> if you want us to. Yeah, so give us a call, Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, call yeah. our people. Yeah. It's us. We are our people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he was always under the impression that they never wanted him in the movie in the first place, that the original director, Jim Gillespie, of the yeah. first film, never wanted him in the movie. Now, Jim Gillespie disputes this. Jim Gillespie has said um, separately from this conversation that he was the one that championed for having Freddie Prince Jr. in the movie. So I don't know where the truth lies, probably somewhere between those two things. But he he it sounds like he had a bit of a crappy time making the first movie and he didn't get on very well with Jim Gillespie because he was under the impression that Jim Gillespie didn't want him for the yeah. movie. Jim Gillespie disputes that, but nevertheless, that's what Freddie Prince Jr. perceived. And that made their relationship difficult through that movie. By all accounts, he said that he had a much better time making the second movie. So I do look forward to hearing what he has to say on it when he does that episode well, on his he's podcast. he's kind of like, in the first movie, he kind of fights for screen time with the other three main stars. While in the sequel, he's kind of on his own for 80% of the film. He hasn't got... He's he's the star of them scenes. He hasn't got to compete with anybody. Yeah. So he's probably... Well, and his job in both movies is to be pretty and save the day, isn't it? And look dumb. He looks so dumb. And look dumb. dumb. (laughs) 
Yes, yes. Which weirdly is one of the things that apparently um, Jim Gillespie called him out for in making the first movie. He was like, oh, don't do that with your face. It makes you look really dumb. But is that not the whole point of his character? Yeah, I thought that's the character driven. I thought it was to, a bit like... To be that kind of slightly gormless, he's cute. But yet when the chips are down, when it comes to that final moment, he's the one that saves the day. Well, yeah, because I got the impression they, that's what they wanted from the character because they obviously made that he wasn't well-educated. He, he was a fisherman, doing like the local yeah. fisherman. He wanted to be above his pecking station as we, they constantly repeated in the first film. So yeah. I always imagine that he was a little bit, not, not dumb the wrong term, I suppose, but slightly uneducated and quite kind of like, what, not even wimpy. I think he's just there to be pretty. Yeah, and probably. you've got to have, it in the, in the late 90s, for a movie of this type, You've got to have two guys, two girls, because yeah. that's how it works. Everyone has to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and everybody's straight because it's the 90s. Yeah. That's so good. it's two boys, two girls. And he pairs well. I mean, to be fair, that all four of them in the first movie look great. All four of them in the second movie look great, and they look good as pairs. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, he that's a, a good casting. I like him in both movies, even yeah. though, the, the, yes, the character is a little bit, yeah, there's more to him, definitely more to him in the second movie. And I He's got a lot more. All the other grit. movies, all the other movies I've seen him in, he always plays the jock. And in this, he's not the jock. I think it's one of the only mm. times, like he's he's not the popular kid. He's not the clever kid. He's not the 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 sports champion. You know, I feel like these are the these two movies are the only two movies I've really seen him in where he's trying to do something different, and he's not doing the well, same. Well, I mean, it's more the other way around, really, isn't it? Because the the I know what you did last summer was his first job, I think, or certainly one of his first no, main no. roles. Oh, he was new to the business. Um, well, in, in, like, because I listened to his podcast. I only just listened to it this morning, so it's quite fresh in my head. And he was saying like that other teens were all seasoned performers. They'd all been working as actors from being kids, and he was very new to the game at that point. So I don't think he was so much playing against type in this movie as found his type further down the road. Yeah. I think what you like in this movie, Michael. This was your idea. Yes. So where where, where do you find yourself having rewatched it again? Where where are you on this movie? Well, this is a, a this is a horror film that I watch every year. Do you? Yeah, I didn't I know that. Yeah, I actually this is going to be. I like. I'm a massive horror film. I love teen mm. slashers. I love screen franchise. But I know, and I still know, are my favorite slashers. They are like really? they are like completely up there. I think they're they stand out more into individual than the screen films. Like the screen films. I enjoy them. They're great fun, but I think the whole concept of the fisherman and trying to the kids, the kids trying mm. to get away with some kind of accidental murder is far more of an interesting concept than yeah. like what's happening in the screen films because the screen films are just like just. Well, the thing with the screen films is that because they're so self-aware, they're almost yeah. it's almost a respectful parody of the genre. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I know what you did last summer, and I still know are very much within the genre they're not yeah. trying to be clever they are conforming to the tropes because that's what you expect from a teen slasher in the late yeah. 90s so though i don't think it's fair to be comparing it with with screen but, because they're actually completely different types of, of movie people, but at the time of release that's what they got compared to oh for sure but and none of them no horror film of the of this era like mainstream horror i swear they had a tick list of trope for horror films than this movie this sequel mm. ticks every sequel trope there is possible. There is no fundamenting storyline really to it. There is no, no character development. It's no. just a four teens that win a holiday, that go on holiday, and they all fucking die. Yeah. And I am here for it. You make the same movie, you replace everyone who died with someone else, but you basically make the same movie. Yeah. And that's what we're here for. And I like the fact also is this one is it takes place in one one place. And I think we don't really appreciate that for this film. Like it's quite hard to make a horror film that's based in one location. Mm. But they do it in this movie. And I think they do such a great job of it. Like I think some of the some of the cinematography is great. Like I love the the the, the hotel, the way it looks. I love the creepy hotel manager. I like the voodoo housekeep, the repair guy. There's nothing in this yeah, movie yeah, yeah. I don't like. I'm a bit uncomfortable these days with Jack's Black Betrayal, because we've come on so far from there, like we said before. Yeah. But apart from that, I like, oh, and Brandy. Oh, Brandy. If this, I, the thing that upsets me about this film the most is Brandy is fucking fantastic in this. Mm. She's so good. And I feel Agreed. like 
the critics ruined her career because like she can act and she's really good in this movie you know yeah. and i just think i just would like to see more of her character i think she does a great job being opposite julie the jennifer love hewitt yeah I, I just it really upsets me do you know, the only thing about this movie that i have to criticize is jennifer love hewitt they're like they made her scream a lot in this film but like she screamed a lot a lot a lot yeah. a lot like every five seconds yeah. Trainers in the sneakers in the tumble dryer. <laughs> you coming out of a wardrobe. <laughs> Literally every five seconds. Though yeah. that's got to be one of my favorite jump scares in nineties when she goes into the bedroom with a cut with a kitchen knife ready to stab this intruder and it's just Judy trying to borrow a little black dress. I was like, I love that. <laughs> like, you nearly stabbed yeah. your friend and she was like, I, I, I want to wear your dress, but I don't want it that badly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, I, I loved it. Like, I, there's very little in this film that I don't like. I like the twist. I like the fact that the sun's involved. I like the fact, like, for me, this film makes more of a sense to make a sequel to I Know What You Did compared to Scream. Because Scream is kind of like its own entity. Like, mm. like, the first Scream movie is he's getting revenge. It kind of yes. makes sense. It's a little bit pathetic. But it makes sense in this, and then in the sequel, it's just his mother getting revenge for killing her son, who was a mass murderer. Like it, like logically, it, they're great films. I Scream Two, I like Scream Two, but it's my favorite Scream movie of all time. Mm. But this movie, at the end of I Know, you saw him go in the water, and he let his hand got topped off, so you knew there would be a sequel. It made sense yes. to make a sequel, as much as Jennifer Love Hewitt plays the victim in these movies. She doesn't need a man in any of these movies. She's still like... Yes. She's still like Sydney. She still can stand up for herself and, you know, be her own person. And she doesn't really need that character. They're like, at the end of this movie, when his gun doesn't work, Jennifer Love Hewitt doesn't hesitate of picking up that gun and she fires a shit out of it. Yes. That is my favourite moment, I think, of the movie. Is So I... What, the I... end... <laughs> No, no, that, I mean, the moment, that specific moment for her, that just bang, fucking bang, die, yeah. and she shoots the shit. I mean, she shoots him a lot of times, Yeah. considering that it's a, a presumably six-shot revolver, and we already know yeah. that one of the chambers is empty because Freddie Prinze Jr. tries to fire it. So if we look at it too carefully, and we notice that she sh shoots him about eight times with five bullets, that doesn't quite add up. But we ignore that because it's still brilliant. Yes. Think, yes, I think yes, because in both movies there is that thing of oh, why does she need Pretty Prince Junior to save her? Although yeah. I realise it was the late nineties and and that was still a thing back then. Yeah, but actually she doesn't need him to save her. Yes, if he hadn't turned up at the end of of this movie, she wouldn't have had the gun, so yeah. it would have made it tricky to shoot him. But she's still the one that shoots him. She saves the day. She saves herself, and I love that yes. in this movie. Very much. That is one of my favourite things in the movie. Um, I think overall, Julie is a much stronger character in this movie than in the first one. I found oh, yeah. her, I think I felt like she plays second fiddle to Helen for a lot of the first movie. And it's no, only when Helen was gone that Julie really comes forward. I remember thinking the first time I saw this movie that Helen was going to be the final girl. Oh, yeah, yeah I totally agree. It's completely set up for you to think that Helen is the final girl, um, which is brilliant because then when when she gets killed, you're like, whoa, okay, all bets are off a little bit here. And then that's Julie's moment to really step up. Whereas in this movie, you see that strength in her character mm. from the very beginning, even though obviously she's clearly very traumatised. And I'm concerned that no one really takes the level of her PTSD seriously in this movie. Like her whole class, including her lecturer, laugh at her when she has a nightmare in class and wakes up screaming. Yeah. Um, the whole thing of, oh, yeah, let's go somewhere really creepy for fourth of july even though you're clearly traumatized i'm going to sneak around in your closet in the dark to borrow something from you even yeah. though you're clearly suffering from ptsd well, um i'm going to try and set you up with someone who isn't your boyfriend even though you're clearly deeply traumatized and your boyfriend is the only person that understands that it's a bit weird but again we just put that to one side because this isn't that movie but as a person who has severe PTSD. Mm. from an instant I went through in life. People do brush it under the carpet because they don't know what it's like to experience what you experienced. Okay. Well, look, I'm going to defer to your experience on this because this isn't something that I know much about. So fair enough. Then I withdraw 
my uh, issue with the way her PTSD is treated because it does sound like actually that's but been I, dealt but, with in a very realistic way. But I feel like when you were saying that, I thought you meant from the friend's point, the way they treated her, not from the way she acted. No, I don't mean about how she acts. I mean, oh, yeah. the people around her. Yeah, but they, they, the people around her are not very sensitive to... Well, that's true. I though. mean, not everyone knows everything of what she's been through. No. But just the whole thing story. of when she wakes up screaming in class at the beginning and everyone's like, oh, Julie's having a freak out again. Yeah, like it's that, completely. Oh, just that, another Tuesday. But that's true. That's how people with PTSD yeah. get treated. And mental health is that's a thing. shame. It is. That's a shame. That shouldn't be the case. But back to the movie, um, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a gear change there. But I like, I like that she is much more empowered in this movie. I love yes. her relationship with Carla. That's what I was actually starting to get to. I think her relationship with Carla is much healthier than her relationship with Helen. It's, I guess, it's the difference between. Your friendship with the person that you've known since you were five yeah, and no, been all true. the way through school with, and now you're friends with them because you have that deep history with them. And yeah. it doesn't mean that it's not a real friendship, but it's not the same as the friend that you made when you're a teenager. It's like my relationship with you is completely yeah. different. I, you know, I still have friends from school who I've known for way longer than I've known you, yeah. but I my relationship with you is completely different because... We grew up together. We have all those childhood connections. And then as adults, we've gone in our separate directions. And so we are not bonded in that way anymore. And you see that in the difference with Julie's friendship with Carla. They are clearly at the start of that really strong adult, young adult friendship. That you can see is is going to be a lasting friendship. Don't Um, repeat this conversation to your son, because that's a mistake I made about a couple of months ago. (laughs) (laughs) I was on the phone, so... Claire's oldest, he is now 10, and he's Claire's... He's eight. Oh, is that eight? You were saying... (laughs) He's the size of a 10-year-old, but he's eight. He's eight, but we're talking about um, secondary schools. Yes. And then he was talking about how he wants to go to secondary school with his friends, and I said to him, oh, when you you will make new friends at your new school, you'll find that you'll grow away from your primary school friends, and it's it's a thing that ever happens to everybody. And he just burst out into tears. And I was like, oh, He absolutely fuck, lost his shit at the idea of not still being best friends with his current best friend for the rest of his life. <laughs> it's fine. I talked him down and explained exactly what I just said to you. You know, I'm still very good friends with the people I was best friends with at school, but they are not the people I speak to every day in my life. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to stay best friends with his best friends. I don't know. But yeah, yes. that was a surprising moment for you yeah it was, I was just like, <laughs> you're being help- let me give you some wisdom boy <laughs> oh you're crying shit <laughs> bye then <laughs> friendships develop and friendships change and i really yeah. like that dynamic between um between carla and julie in this movie i think um i also love that their friendship is is such that when the truth comes out near the end and Carla discovers the whole story of what happened to Julie, she tells her a new one. Yes. And I really like that, that she goes, look, I'm, you know, obviously, you know, we're in this awful situation that we have to deal with now, but how dare you not tell me? Why did you think you couldn't tell me all of this? Why did you think I wouldn't be there? And maybe that's why the people around her don't acknowledge the depth of trauma that she's experienced because maybe she hasn't, been honest, as honest with people yeah. as maybe she needs to be for them to understand. Yeah, well, a lot of the time think... you don't tell people if you've been through something because then they go, they want to know about the thing. And the last, thing you yeah, want yeah, yeah, to yeah. Talk yeah. About no, it. I completely get it. I completely get it. But yeah, yeah I, I, I like that even within the context of the movie, Carla is going to call her out for for not telling her everything that had yeah. gone on, even when things weird, like even when weird things started to happen, even when she's saying seeing I still know what you did on the karaoke I love that even when they're starting to find dead bodies she doesn't say to Carla look I need to tell you everything I love that karaoke machine thing it's the most ridiculous thing that could come up on she's like like, I'm going to sing now because I've got a single app (laughs) someone has typed I know what you did last summer everyone look away from the screen at the same time (laughs) so Julie's the only person he sees what it says, and then you can all convince yourself she's crazy. No, I know. The yeah. death scenes in some... this film are, are fantastic. They are. Do you know what I really like in this movie? That's one of the things I wrote down. I love that we've got a decent body count in this movie. There's no yeah. sort of hanging around. The first movie is a little bit tentative on the kills. Yeah. Um, 
and actually I look we we discussed because we rewatched um we both rewatched I know what you did last summer Together. before we came on to do this episode and we did discuss at the time of like why the hell did they kill Max Max has nothing to do with anything Mm. Um, and actually the reason that they did that, they, the original draft didn't have Max getting killed in it. And oh. then they realized that they needed to demonstrate without killing off one of the main four too early, they had to demonstrate that the stakes were high for the four. So right. that's why they killed Max off when they did, because that was the only character they could think of to be able to kill in without it damaging the rest of the storytelling, but it having that impact on the kids of, shit this is serious this isn't just some guy trying to freak us out with letters this is a deadly threat so that's why that character who we everyone's a bit like well what the fuck has it got to do with him that's why that character got killed off but apart from him and then it's it's only really as we get closer and closer to the climax that we start to get these um sort of superfluous kills outside of the main four whereas in this movie in the sequel he's just like fuck it i'm gonna kill them all because he has that history (laughs) none of the people in this movie have to die the well, only people that he was trying to kill were two that survived. No, no, because he is trying to, he doesn't need to kill the friends. Well, one's his son and the other one's just Brandy's boyfriend. But the other people mm. are from the hotel where he murdered his wife. Yes, that's true. But there was no suggestion that I noticed. Maybe I switched my brain off and missed a line somewhere. There was no suggestion of him feeling any sort of need to get revenge on anyone at the hotel, though. No, but don't forget the old... Um, guy that was does the maintenance work who they thought was a voodoo yeah. guy, he recognised the son, even though he hadn't seen the son for since he was a child, because he knew who the son was. He murdered his wife. I didn't, They didn't really come. Yes, he murdered his wife for having an affair. Yes. And then the daughter is the daughter that died the summer before I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yes. Which was then why he killed the daughter's boyfriend at the beginning, like before the beginning of I Know What You Did Last Summer, which is how he then got hit by the car in that movie. Yeah. No and offense, then the son that Ben Willis must be fucking exhausted. He has some busy summers, right? Like like, like four murder sprees in He's one. He's the one that needs to go and sit in his apartment with a book on July fourth. <laughs> Seriously, that guy is—he's stressing himself out. Is, um, and then yes, yeah, so then we have Will, the son that nobody knew about until halfway through this movie. In case no one had worked out by stage that he was going to be involved, because of course this is um although the first movie was written before scream released after scream this is all well after scream so the notion of two killers is not a big twist reveal although i don't think will did any killing i think will potentially killed uh no i don't think he did kill estes because mm-hmm. it was the the fisherman who did the push down with estes and nancy underneath unless it was will that no, had originally will speared estes so i don't think will does any actual killing in this movie but it's quite clear I, like in my notes from quite early on in the movie, I was like, this dude's involved. There's got to be like, this is a two killer situation. As a dumb 17 year old watching this movie, or I was 18 when it came out. So I was a dumb 18 year old watching this movie. I was gobsmacked. He was his son. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I'm like, I'm a grown up. I'm a grown up and I've seen a lot of these styles of movies before. So, and like you say, it, it, it ticks off all the trope boxes. So for me, it was quite easy to spot quite early on. Didn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie. Yeah, but it 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 was very like okay, well he is going to be something, and then as soon as there was a son, I was like, okay, it's him. That's yeah. that. Then that's that's how he fits into the story. And it was weird because that that actor's performance, Matthew Settle, there was a moment quite early on where he was really really wooden. I think it was when they were on the boat to the island when they first arrived in the Bahamas, and there was a bit of like guy talk between him and Ty, and he was really wooden. And I thought, that's a bit weird. That doesn't sit with the rest of the character. The rest of the movie, I thought he was quite good. And then once we'd had that reveal of him being Ben's son, he was like, okay, this is now my movie. I'm going to chew every piece of scenery I can find. I'm going to give it like ultimate bad guy vibes. And he just completely ran away with the rest of the script. I really enjoyed it. There is... um... Well, there's a little hint as well when he's flying, he's really sick, but he isn't sick on the boat. And if you if you suffer with motion sickness, the chances are that you're going to be sick on the boat as much as you're going to be. Oh, I hadn't picked up on that. And yes, because then it's the other guy that's sick on the boat. Yeah. So you're basically, if you're going to be sick, if you're going to have one kind of motion sickness, boat's going to get you more than plane is. But the fact that he's a son of a fisherman, boats didn't make him motion sick. What's weird, because if you're going to have any kind of motion sickness, boats would be the one that triggers your motion sickness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, I hadn't clocked that. That's a nice little touch. Yeah. That's a nice little touch. 
So what so, is anything you don't like about this film? Well, there are things I didn't enjoy as much. I think to to say don't like is is a bit unfair because this is not a film that was this film was not created to be critiqued. Yeah. It you have to take it at face value. If you don't take it at face value, you're not going to enjoy it. So why are you bothering to watch it? This is I think this is why the critics ratings on this and the first movie were quite low on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm surprised by the audience scores though because I think if you if you're sitting down to watch this movie what the hell are you expecting if it's not what you got no exactly so there are things I can put holes in and I'm going to because we're doing this episode yeah but they are things that I can very easily just put in a box and forget about in terms of sitting down to enjoy the movie the two main things one is that it's not as much fun as the first movie. The first movie was very much centered around the 4th of July parade. It was very, yeah. it felt like a summery movie. This did not feel like a 4th of, like if they hadn't framed it with it being, it's the 4th of July, which they have to, because it's the anniversary of what happened last time on the 4th of July, which was the anniversary of what happened last time on the 4th of July. Take that out and you wouldn't have thought it was set in the summer. Yeah, no. It could be at any time. Visually, the movie is a lot darker than the first yeah. one, which is in keeping with the genre. But as a 43 year old woman with bad eyesight, I prefer the first one because you could see what was going on a lot better. This yeah. was all very like, it was very dark. It was very windy. It was very rainy. I was like, where the fuck is everybody? Why aren't they turning on the lights? But um, again, like it's a horror movie, so it should be dark. But the did you watch thing... this? Did you watch this during the day? Because I know that you have family. Yeah, I, of course I watch it during the day because I have that... to watch it when there's no one else yeah. in my house because so... no one else wants to watch these movies with me. Yeah, so if you watch this at night time in a dark room, it looks a lot brighter because I watched it at night time. It's sure. just because you've, sure. got, you've got sunlight in the room as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, the main thing is that the whole premise of this movie is completely batshit. Yeah. This movie, like, if Ben Willis wants to get further revenge on Julie and Ray, why does he have to send them, and Ray doesn't even go, and a mm. bunch of other kids who have nothing to do with it, to the Bahamas? He gets them sweets in a hotel. Okay, fair enough. That won't have been particularly expensive because it's the start of off-season. Yeah. He then follows them because we know he was with them at the beginning in the club before they went to the Bahamas. So he then follows them to the Bahamas just to chase them around and try and kill them. And he still doesn't manage it. He still doesn't manage to fucking kill them. But like, why why see, has he gone to all this effort when he could just go to her house and kill her and then we don't need a movie? So that's why. Yeah, but I also don't think she, he was in the nightclub at the beginning. I think that was her imagination. I think that was her PTSD flaring up. Do you? Yeah, I don't think he was there. I think that's just a that's just her freak. Uh, that's an interesting take because to me that seemed like he was there. Yeah. Um, no. Because he was, in fact, that's how early on in the movie I was thinking: is it got something to do with Will? Because then I was like, oh no, it can't be Will because Will has now appeared in the scene too quickly. Yeah. No. I for think it that... to have been him. Because he arrives just as the fisherman disappears out of Judy's view. Yeah, no, I think that's just her PTSD flowing up. Could well be. Mm. So maybe he's just sitting in the Bahamas the whole time. Yeah, I just think. And he's like, there. what if? But what if Freddie Prince Jr. had gone? How would they have got Will to the Bahamas? Did he have a backup ticket just in case to go out on a separate flight so that he could sneak up on them there? Like, it seems like a very contrived plot yeah. from Will and Ben for something that didn't have to be that complicated. Will is already friends with her. Will could have just gone around her house and killed her, and yeah. then killed her boyfriend. Ben Willis has got showmanship. He needs to make it an art. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. And, um, and yes, about, and we, you can say about any the, horror film. They, oh yeah, for sure. Tropes. Well, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. This yeah. is exactly the sort of movie that if you start to pick holes, the whole thing yeah. just kind of unravels, and you've ruined the movie for yourself. So yeah. the best thing is to just put all of that stuff in a box, chuck it in the corner, set fire to it, ignore it, and just sit and take this movie for what it is, which, as you say, is a completely trope ticking, like sequel. This is exactly what you want from. Yeah this movie and it's, I don't it's, it's not pretending to be any better than it is it's not any worse than you need it to be well the it's first kind of one where I sit with it the first one it falls more into the footsteps of scream because you're still trying to figure out who the fisherman is while the sequel yeah. you know who the fisherman is so the sequel is more like a Friday the 13th so it yeah. takes that style you don't you know it's Ben Willis you just didn't know it was his son but you knew it was Ben Lewis because you didn't see him die at the end of the first one you knew he was going to come back with that Hooks stubbed into his stubby hand like Candyman. Exactly. So you knew it was because he, happen. you know, they've already set up. He came back from the dead at the beginning of the movie, so clearly he can come back from the dead 
at the end of the movie. And also at the end of the first movie, although it gets retconned as a dream, we see him return. We know he's not dead because we yeah. see Julie's shower scene, which we ne- then turns out to have been a nightmare. But it, yeah. as far as we're concerned, watching the first movie, that's what happened next. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we're absolutely expecting it to be him. So, Claire, mm. how many hooked fishermen would you give? I still know what you did last summer. But I'm going to give it three out of five. Mm. Which I, I I wrote that down before I looked up Rotten Tomatoes. I quite often find with these sorts of movies that my rating falls in line with the Rotten Tomatoes and the IMDb scores. Yeah. With this one, it's quite a lot higher. As you said, it's it's um, 7% critics, 21% audience on Rotten Tomatoes compared to... So, the, I mean, the original movie is 45% critics and 41% audience, which Criminal. I would score much higher than. Yeah, yeah I, I think I would give the first movie a four out of five. I know we don't normally score the originals of, on this this show, yeah. but I would, I think it's a great movie. Um, the sequel, not quite as good, but not a bad movie at all. I think it does exactly what you need it to do. And I have absolutely no bones about scoring it three out of five. How about you? So... Because you scored the original, I'll do the same. So the original movie for me is a four out of five for me as well. I think it's mm. a great, great horror film. I think it's great. I think it still holds up today. The sequel, four and a half out of five. I prefer the sequel than the original. Wow. Because I love a camp, cheesy, trope-ticking horror, and this does it so well with a with a bunch yeah. of people that I love to see in a movie. I love the chemistry of the people in the first one. I think the chemistry in the sequel is slightly better between Brandy and just Jennifer Love Hewitt. I feel yeah, like this film I is agree. Really, and I think I might love it a little bit more because I think how badly it's been treated from other people and the box office. Yeah. And I think that it's such a shame. I think it's a great, great film. And guys, go back and revisit I Still What You Did Last Summer to compare to a lot of horror films out there it does a great job it's entertaining it's bloody you can turn your brain off and just have a great time with it agreed so that's i still know what you did last summer for you listeners please take a moment to rate us and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes and tell us what you thought of the movie you can leave us a comment you can email us on unlovesequels at gmail.com and you can find us on all the socials at unlovesequels so it's goodbye from me michael And from me, Claire. Take care, guys. Bye.